0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the crossover across time podcast for our second episode of the NBA finals. Uh, Today is date June 5th of 2023. First of all, I'm your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show. And or welcome back to the show, whether you've been listening previously, or you're a brand new listener to the podcast. Either way, we appreciate your support on the show. Uh, with today's episode, we're recapping Game 2 of the NBA Finals. Uh, we'll give you the latest news and uh, preview what we'll have coming up this week for Finals action. So it'll be a pretty straightforward episode, and let's go ahead and dive, uh, dive right into it, rather. Um, going into Game 2, the the Nuggets had one Game 1 with a pretty uh, commanding showing of of great offense, and they were able to to limit Miami offensively, particularly Jimmy Butler. And so going into game two, um, you know, Denver felt very confident. Of course, Miami had a little bit of that sense of urgency wanting to get at least one of those road games to try and put themselves in a position to, uh, you know, what a historically good position to be in. If you're trying, you know, a lower C trying to be competitive in the playoff series and, um, throughout the first half, it looked like Denver had a good chance to repeat what they were able to do in game one, um, Miami started to make some waves in the third quarter. And then especially at the beginning of the fourth quarter, Miami went on a tear. Uh, They stuck around the whole game. Fourth quarter was kind of their perfect opportunity. Denver made a late push uh, after they had, uh, you know, let the game get tied. And then Miami actually took the lead by uh, upwards of double digits. Denver made a push to try and, you know, at least retie the game, force an overtime, and they actually had some some effective offense. They had made some plays towards the end to bring it close, but it was just not quite enough time, and Miami was able to steal game two in Denver by a score of 111 to 108. Uh, Jamal Murray had a last-second opportunity to try and tie it. A pretty decent look considering the circumstances, but uh, just wasn't able to go down. And in uh, that exact run again. You look at the beginning of the fourth. Denver led by about eight points, and Miami suddenly ran off a a run the, to get up to a five point lead. They kept it for a few minutes, and they ran upwards of you know twelve point lead midway closer to the end of the fourth quarter. And Denver made a good push to try and bring it back, but it just wasn't enough, you know. And Miami actually had a strong first quarter as well. Um, Denver just responded with a huge second quarter. They had the biggest lead of the game with 15 points. And so it was a little back and forth, but it felt like with that big momentum swing going into halftime, Denver had that good chance to try and win it. So it was a very exciting game, close game throughout. Um, Firstly, looking at things for Denver, Nikola Jokic really had to do a lot to try and keep this game close. 41 points, 11 rebounds, and four assists with five turnovers you know and there was a, a post game interview where a reporter was asking Eric Spolster about you know oh taking away Nikola Jokic's passing making him just a scorer and he had a little disagreement with the oversimplification of that but i think it it's safe to say that um you know denver as a whole didn't quite move the ball maybe the same way they wanted to although it should be said that Jamal Murray did have ten assists on the game so he kind of you know played a little more of that traditional point guard role he had 18 points as well not his greatest shooting performance but he didn't take a ton of shots on the game you know Jokic was really the key offensive player getting a lot of twos inside getting to the foul line a little bit you know so um anyways it just seemed that limiting Jokic's ability to run the whole show uh for that in that exact way that he did in game one could have been a factor, but I think also like we talked about with game one the the Miami pace they continued to be stellar defensively um, Jimmy Butler got a little more involved offensively they had some uh, well rounded offense guys that had rough games. In game one, showed up a little more in game two. They made a lineup change as well. So um, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But yeah, Jokic was 41 and 11. Jamal Murray, 18 points, 10 assists. Outside of those two guys, 12 points from Aaron Gordon. Um, pretty good percentages on what he did shoot. Um, and then 11 points, five rebounds for Bruce Brown. Um, outside of that, only six points for Contagious Caldwell Pope. Five points for Michael Porter Jr., uh, he had a rough game offensively in particular, so that could have been a factor for Denver as well. Um, but then you look at things for Miami, 23 points from Gabe Vincent, He actually led them in scoring, four of six from three-point range, 21 points each for both Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Uh, Jimmy with two of five from three-point range. Uh, Adebayo, nine rebounds, four assists, and two blocks. Jimmy Butler, meanwhile, nine assists and four rebounds. Uh, just a little flop of that structure gabe vincent i think he said he had i think i said he had two steals hopefully i mentioned that before uh kevin love getting the starting nod in place of caleb martin um 10 rebounds two steals and an assist with six points as well And then 14 points for Max Struess, 4 of 10 from 3-point range. And a couple of key 3-pointers late off the bench. Kyle Lowry, 9 points, 2 of 3 from 3-point range. Duncan Robinson, 10 points, 2 of 3 from 3-point range. Overall, they shot nearly 50% from 3. Denver shot nearly 40% from 3. So that was also a factor as well, the shooting percentages. Miami going a little deeper in the bench. More guys making some shots. The rotation was an issue. You know, and that was the thing, uh, you know, for Michael Malone, the Nuggets head coach. That was really his takeaway. Um, and this is actually a direct quote from his postgame press conference. Uh, quote, let's talk about effort. This is the NBA finals. We we're talking about effort. That's a huge concern of mine. You guys probably thought I was just making up some storyline after game one when I said we didn't play well. We didn't play well. Tonight, the starting lineup to start the game it was ten 2 Miami. Start of the third quarter, they scored eleven points in just over two minutes. We had guys out there that were just whether feeling sorry for themselves for not take, making shots or thinking they can just turn it on or off. This is not the preseason. This is not the regular season. This is the NBA Finals. That to me is really, really perplexing, and disappointing. So that's head coach Michael Malone's his takeaway. And you know, I I think you could see, and we kind of talked about it in game one, some of those signs of, of, you know, a team that has that great offense and they have a great start to game one. And then in the back half, they do kind of, it seems at least, you know, the eye test kind of feels like maybe they took their foot off the gas a little bit, you know, and there was maybe a touch of that here where Miami came out of the gate with a huge effort, Denver, Denver, locked in, got a big lead and then they kind of eased off again, you know, and a lot of those plays in the second half um, there was kind of a a feeling of they weren't as, you know, maybe not as motivated. That's not quite the right word, but there wasn't the same tenacity for the rebounding end and the, you know, really focusing on defense. There was a couple of uh, shots in the, Well, this was actually towards, I think, the end of the first half um, or maybe even that first quarter. But there were plays throughout the game where, you know, Miami makes a few quick, simple move passes around, you know, around the perimeter. They find a guy in the corner for a three, and it's just bad rotation. It's slow rotation. It's whatever it is, you know. On the rebounding end, especially in that second half, you know, there would be rebounds and guys would be watching the watching the shot rather than getting in position for a rebound, you know? And so I think that there was that feeling of, you know, there's all that anxiety and all that time, especially for Denver having had so much time off before the finals, that anxiety going into game one, that they were energized. They were ready to to get out and do everything. And they were happy to get that game one victory and going into game two, you have the continued fan support. There's maybe that feeling that there's an, an easing of, oh, we, you know, we we should be good. And that you like the confidence in the fact of if we do our job and play the way we know how to play and, and run our game plan, you like that confidence, but mm-hmm. you've got to be able to go out and actually do it. You know, it's got to be a hundred percent. Right. And so that I think was the differentiator. Miami had the urgency and they get that game, that game two victory. So now, the question is going into game three in Miami, how does Denver respond? and can they get a win on the road? You know, I think if Denver gets at least one win in Miami, you go back to Denver tied two to two, and you have a, a six game series. Um, for the most part, you know, I think Denver's still in pretty good position there. They've gotten some, you know, the early games of of the series, they've had some lessons on what it takes to win consistently to to you know win a final series as far as it's got to be constant you can't flip a switch on and off um you know but if miami gets their job done at home and they take both home games um then that's your classic 3-1 lead that's going to be a very dangerous situation for denver um but then at that point they would have two of the next three to try and force a seven game series at home so there's a lot of intrigue you know i think um look for game three for Denver to you know if they respond big even if it's a close game and they lose but if it's very close in Miami you know i think Denver's in great position to try and win this series but um if they don't respond well in that first game in Miami then you could have some cause for concern but overall you know it just one that got away they there's plenty of things they could you know in the the film session they can point two and say, OK, that was a big part of why we weren't able to to win. Right. And Miami feels great that they're, you know, it wasn't the same as the other three playoff series up to this point where they got that game one victory, but they still got a game on the road and they feel pretty good going back to Miami with that chance to try and take that coveted three one series lead. Um, So we'll have to see see what happens there. Game three will be very exciting. And we'll give you the details on when that game will start in just a moment. Um, But first, let's get caught up on any NBA news. And we actually have a bunch of news items. A lot of these are um, coaching staff adjustments, hires, and um, well, front office stuff, as well as an injury uh, update as well. And we'll start with that one, the uh, Julius Randle ankle injury that he i think it was during that playoff series uh one of their playoff series uh so julius randall for the knicks he has undergone arthroscopic surgery on his left ankle and he is expected to be ready for knicks training camp in the fall so that's a good update you know got the surgery that he needed um the turnaround shouldn't be too long he should be able to gear up and get ready for the regular season, maybe, you know, he'll be just a half step behind some of the other guys who are already getting in some some offseason workouts, staying in, in a little better shape. But um he shouldn't be too far behind. So that's great to hear for the Knicks. Next for the Clippers, their front office, uh, they're going to be promoting Trent Redden to general manager and Mark Hughes to senior vice president and assistant general manager. Both of those two have previously been assistant general managers within the Clippers organization, um, and they're helping to fill the void after Michael Winger departed for the Washington Wizards front office. So they'll both be reporting to Clippers president Lawrence Frank, working with him to continue to uh, cultivate that roster, try and be competitive in the Western Conference. So there's an update there. Next, these uh, most of these rests have to do with coaching, mainly coaching hires. Firstly, for the New Orleans Pelicans, they're hiring James Borrego as an associate head coach. So uh, for Willie Green's staff, basically Willie Green's right hand man uh, on the staff, which is interesting. He was on the Pelicans staff when they were the New Orleans Hornets and Willie Green was playing for the Hornets. So that's a nice little note there. Next for the Detroit Pistons, they are hiring Stephen Silas, the recent uh, Houston Rockets head coach. He is going to be a top assistant coach for Monty Williams' staff, uh, the new head coach, of course, with the Pistons. Top assistant coach, um, either that same title as an associate head coach or, you know, close to, you know, he's one of one or two with top assistants. So that'll be good for them, I think. Uh, for Boston, the Celtics are hiring Sam Cassell as an assistant coach for Joe Mazzulla's staff. The Brooklyn Nets, they are hiring Kevin Ollie as an assistant coach for Jacques Vaughn's staff. Um, The Phoenix Suns, they'll be hiring David Fisdale as an assistant coach for Frank Vogel's staff. And then finally, the Milwaukee Bucks are hiring Terry Stotts to join Adrian Griffin's staff. Uh, That one, we don't have any details in the exact position, I imagine. An assistant coach or maybe an associate head coach, something like that. Um, Of course, Terry Stotts recently was the head coach in Portland. When they had their best runs with Damian Lillard uh, in recent memory, David Fisdale had been uh, within the Jazz front office structure as an associate or assistant general manager um, or GM. Kevin Ollie had recently been on uh, UConn staff. He'd also been with Overtime Elite. And then Sam Cassell, I haven't seen specifics on where he had been prior to that. But a bunch of new assistant coaches, just guys and teams kind of refinalizing their um, their full coaching staffs. So there's your updates on that. Finally, for the NBA news there in general, the NBA Coaches Association in particular. Uh, with that, uh, Rick Adelman, he's been honored. He's been named the recipient of the 2023 chuck daly lifetime achievement award a coaches association specific award rick Adelman, one of the most underrated coaches in nba history if you ask me started with portland helped lead them to two different finals appearances with clyde drexler then his second stint of note was really with the sacramento kings um their their phenomenal teams of the early 2000s chris weber vlade divots um Mike Bibby, that whole crew uh, that realistically could have gone to the NBA Finals and maybe should have, if we don't want to go down a rabbit hole too deep there. Um, After that, he was a part of uh, the Houston Rockets staff for a while, you know, uh, kind of the tail end of the Tracy McGrady years and into a transitional period for them. He's been with the Timberwolves as well, and there's probably one or two other teams that I've missed in that loop, but phenomenal head coach, one of the Underrated guys, again, in my opinion, at all times. So definitely a worthy recipient of that Lifetime Achievement Award. But otherwise, that's it for our news. A lot of different news items, but that's kind of everything that's going on in the NBA world outside of the NBA Finals. Um, So with that being said, we've taken a step outside. Let's dive right back into the Finals talk. Let's look at the structure or the schedule, rather, for the next uh, week and the times. Just to reiterate what we say every time the, the times that I will give for the start of each of these games are in Eastern standard time. So just keep that in mind as you're planning your schedules Wednesday, we will have game three. That's going to be on ABC at eight 30. Uh, and it will be the first game in Miami of the series, the eight seed Miami heat hosting the one seed Denver nuggets game three. Again, that's Wednesday night and then Friday night. Um, let me double check here. Actually. Yeah. Friday night. Friday night, uh, also on ABC at eight thirty. Yet again, Game Four in Miami: the eight seed Heat hosting the one seed Nuggets. So back to back, you know, games in Miami Wednesday and Friday, both ABC at eight thirty. Um, coming out of those games, we should have a pretty clear picture on, you know, a better idea of how this series will kind of go or how it is going. I mean, after two games and it's tied one to one. It really still is anyone's series, so we can't say too much of this time, but that's going to be very interesting to see after game three and then after game four where we stand at that point. Um, so that is our schedule there. Our next shows then, of course, will be Thursday and Saturday. We'll do our shows following each day or each game of the NBA finals. So with that Wednesday game three. The show to recap that will be on Thursday and then your Friday game four will be back on Saturday, a Saturday show to wrap that up for you. So that's what to expect for our schedule as well. And then also just a quick plug before we wrap things up um, our Instagram page crossover across time, all one word on Instagram. We share content from the show along with content from across the NBA. So that is the best place along with the podcast itself to stay up to date with what's going on in the NBA. And also get that historic perspective that we hope to provide with the podcast. So definitely check that out and we'll share any updates about, um, you know, the, the podcast itself, the, the, the finals, everything should be there. So definitely check that out. We do have our, you know, a little bit of a a schedule that we did prior to the start of the postseason that has some insight as to what we'll kind of plan for our podcast towards the, you know, the next week, the end of the finals, beginning of the draft, the off season, all of those things. So um, definitely keep that in mind, but otherwise that's the bulk of our show. We'll go ahead and give you our this day in history fact and wrap things up. Today's fact, we're going back to 1977, uh, June 5th of 1977, the phenomenon known as blazer mania reached a peak as bill Walton blocked eight shots, a record for an NBA finals game which since that time has been tied by three other players and Portland beat Philadelphia one Oh nine to one Oh seven in game six of that year's NBA finals to win its only NBA championship to this point. Uh, Now the, I, I ripped this fact from the NBA's website that last part after championship to this point, they didn't have that. And I think it's a little disrespectful, disrespectful to think that Portland will never win an nba championship and i'm sure that wasn't the exact implication but um you know i think that we're going to have a point in nba history sometime in the future where all teams have won at least one championship we'll have teams that win it again that we thought would never win again or would never win in the first place you know i i really believe that so anyways that's a fun note that's one of the all-time great you know supposed underdogs but bill walton if he didn't have his injuries, he would have been, you know, probably up there with certainly the greatest centers of the seventies, you know, your Kareem Abdul Jabbars and your Bob Laneers, he would have been more easily recognizable in that conversation. He should and most likely is seen right behind Nikola Jokic as, you know, that that next up best passing center in NBA history or one of um great player and a great team so anytime we could acknowledge what they were able to do that season certainly worth it but otherwise that takes care of everything for our show again we'll be back on thursday in which we'll recap wednesday's game three of the finals and um we will have you back on then thanks again and uh stay tuned